Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. G.K. Chesterton once said, Tradition is so strong that future generations will dream of what they never saw. The secular news outlets have decided to weigh in on Francis's Latin mass ban by publishing pieces from either faithful Catholics who want to let the world know what Francis has done, while simultaneously pleading with their bishops to stand firm for the faith, or, on the flip side, to aid Francis in keeping modernism alive amidst this rather obvious traditionalist revival that has swept the church in recent years. Today we'll go over a piece in the highest profile outlet in the Western world and how it perfectly summarizes why a restoration of tradition as a movement will not be stopped. For this, let's first start with something that can be compared to, which typically means pack a pop of Francis himself, who had a general audience late last week, preached his new gospel by conflating it with the gospel of Christ. He's done this many times before, but it's relevant here. Quote, May the Lord help us to walk on the path of the commandments, but looking to the love of Christ, towards the encounter with Christ, knowing that the encounter with Jesus is more important than all the commandments. End quote. Apparently he never heard the part where Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments, which in sacred scripture is shown numerous times with people discovering that following him means more than just being pals with him. Statements like these are part and parcel of the new gospel, preached for decades since the council, which really came alive under Francis, where we are taught that, yes, the commandments are great, but here, look, this is how the commandments really are in keeping with the world. And so we are taught, of course, to get along with the world, not work to bring souls to Christ, but instead to be everyone's friend. It's part of the rupture with the church's glorious past, and one we have to take seriously whenever Francis and many of the prelates preach to us a different gospel, and especially when they twist the gospel of Christ to fit their new gospel. Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church has had a field day with a new piece from the New York Times written by a Catholic writer and parent who simply wants their children to receive the formation in the faith that will best enable them to stay in the church, to save their souls, and to learn everything they need in order to survive this life in preparation for the next. That's it, really, but Pastor Jimmy would have none of it. He tweeted out the following, first quoting the piece by this, the, from, this, from the New York Times by stating, quote, Pope Francis envisions that we will return to the new Mass. My children cannot return to it. It is not their religious formation. Frankly, the new Mass is not their religion, end quote. That part came from the New York Times piece, which is kind of spicy if you think about it. But then Jimmy said, quote, those three lines perfectly explain why Pope Francis did what he did, end quote. This piece got him and a few of the usual suspects riled up on Twitter, so let's take a brief look at it. The author of the piece in the New York Times, Michael Brenton Doherty, who writes for the National Review, describes first finding the traditional Latin Mass in an unnamed community in Poughkeepsie, New York. That was fairly radical in its outlook. He fell in love with the Mass there and began to recognize in participating there that something horrible had truly happened at the Council, that there really had been some kind of break. Then he goes on to describe the dangers that lie ahead due to Francis's actions with Traditionis Custodis. Quote, Yet this Mass and the modestly growing contingents of Catholics who attend it are seen by Pope Francis as a grave problem. He recently released a document, Traditionis Custodis, accusing Catholics like us of being subversives. To protect the unity of the Church, quote-unquote, he abolished the permissions Pope Benedict XVI gave us in 2007 to celebrate a liturgy, the heart of which remains unchanged since the 7th century. 
For those of us who travel long distances to participate in it, its perseverance is a religious duty, end quote. I'll get back to Mr. Doherty's piece here in a moment. There are stories of families with many young children that drive two hours or more each Sunday each way to attend the traditional liturgy and to hear from the priests the Catholic faith taught from the pulpit. They do this because, for some reason or another, their local parish is deficient in providing that, that in the place of the Catholic faith some other gospel is preached, one that will only lead their children and themselves astray. I know this because my wife and I live two minutes from a diocesan Novus Ordo parish, but we make a long drive every Sunday ourselves. Not two hours in length like some families we speak with, but a long drive nonetheless. And it can be done. And for those of us who see what Traditionis Custodis has done, and hear what a severe change to the seminaries is coming, and, heaven forbid, that the Congregation for Divine Worship is working on a new missal for the traditional Latin mass groups that will turn the TLM into a reverent version of the Novus Ordo, presumably with the perp stated purpose of assisting all of us in returning inevitably to the new mass, as... Francis's accompanying letter to Traditionus Custodis said, We will continue that drive each Sunday to learn the faith and participate in worship that our ancestors participated in in order to better safeguard our souls. But Mr. Doherty continues, and he warns his intended audience what the consequences will be. By the way, his intended audience isn't merely the typical New York Times reader, it's also the prelates, likely those who are clearly on the fence about going along with Traditionis Custodis at all. You know which bishops I'm talking about, the ones who said they're going to dis, uh, study the document in order to properly implement it and are taking their time. Quote, for the Pope, it, the TLM's suppression, is a religious priority. The ferocity of his campaign will push these young families and communities towards the radicalism I imbibed years ago in Poughkeepsie, before Benedict. It will push them toward the belief that the new Mass represents a new religion, one dedicated to the unity of man on earth, rather than the love of Christ. But the Vatican Council had called for a revision of every aspect of central act of worship, so the altar rails, tabernacles, and baldachins were torn up in countless parishes, this ferment was accompanied by radical new theologies around the Mass. A freshman religious studies major would know that revising all the vocal and physical aspects of a ceremony and changing the rationale for it constitutes a true change of religion. Only overconfident Catholic bishops could imagine otherwise. The most candid innovators agreed with the radical traditionalists that the Council constitutes a break with the past. They called Vatican II a quote-unquote new Pentecost and quote-unquote capital E event, that had given the Church a new self-understanding. To stamp out the old Latin Mass, Pope Francis is using the papacy in precisely the way that innovators once claimed to deplore. He centralizes power in Rome, usurps the local bishop's prerogative, and institutes a micromanaging style that is motivated by paranoia of disloyalty and heresy. Perhaps it's to protect his deepest beliefs. Pope Francis envisions that we will return to the new Mass. My children cannot return to it. It is not their religious formation. Frankly, the new Mass is not their religion. In countless alterations, the belief that the Mass was a real sacrifice and that the bread and wine, once consecrated, became the body and blood of our Lord, was downplayed or replaced in it. With the priest facing the people, the altar was severed from the tabernacle. The prescribed prayers of the new Mass tended never even to refer to that structure anymore as an altar, but as the Lord's table. The prayers that pointed to the Lord's real presence in the sacrament were conspicuously replaced with ones emphasizing the Lord's spiritual presence in the assembled congregation, end quote. Now, many of you know why some of us have never really bought into the hermeneutic of continuity. 
It's hard to have continuity between two so diametrically opposed rights taught with two diametrically opposed means of living when you really get down to it. What every Catholic should be most concerned with is the final state of his soul, their particular judgment and their final destination. The typical parish priest would lecture the faithful about that at one point in history. They'd rarely, if ever, bother to give you a sermon on the secular concerns of the day, of the need to recycle or adopt whatever policy that Caesar was promoting this week. Only if a grave evil was on the march in the world would they typically speak up. Sure, before the council there were numerous bad priests and bishops, and there was certainly meddling with Caesar going on beforehand. They were the same men who would give us the most obvious breaks with the church after the council when they implemented the conciliar documents. Many of them helped write the conciliar documents so they could implement them the way they wanted to, by their own admission. But most Catholics, when you really get down to it, most faithful Catholics want the faith taught to them, and most priests in that time were happy to oblige. Things changed after the council and the mass exodus of men out of seminaries and out of the priesthood, and the exodus of religious life points to this. The collapse of vocations points to this. The break was real, and it is heartbreaking to think about. And this is at the heart of why traditional Catholics are, well, angry and vocal about the state of the church so often. We want the faith taught by the bishops and the priests. We want them in union with the Pope to defend the faith, to defend the church, and to spread the gospel message. We want them to be witnesses for Christ, to proclaim his crucifixion and resurrection. And especially salient these days, if they're going to find themselves embroiled with a secular concern of all the would-be Caesars out there, to do so only with the salvation of souls in mind. Not in participation and partnership with the pursuit of some secular gospel that might have a few things on the surface that are that jive with the Catholic faith, but is in reality so steeped in grotesque immorality that the institutions of the church and the men heading them, including the Pope, become complicit in their immorality when they help them. On Twitter, my friend Bug Hall, who has a YouTube channel of his own, made a point about this. For all this talk about meanie poo-poo-headed trads being so mean and pharisaical, the problem with traditional Catholics is that we aren't really all that traditional, at least not enough in our daily lives. Quote, the problem with ratty tradism isn't its radicalness or its trattiness. The problem is actually that it isn't radical or traditional enough. All the go-along-to-get-along-mass-like-a-trad, live-like-the-world-caths, are seeing splinters precisely where their own moats are. They seek to destroy the very thing that could save them, any radicalness or traditionalism which opposes their own attachments. There is no such thing as too trad, too rad. It's a red herring created to condemn souls while letting them feel morally superior along the way, end quote. This critique of traditionalism that we're seeing come from all quarters within the church is really due to the fact that the most vocal among the critics feel inadequate in their own lives of faith and feel they need to go after those of us who simply and only want the church to teach the faith and the popes and bishops to remember that the first law of the church is the salvation of souls. And while most of us as traditional Catholics fail to live up to our own ideals, most of us would admit that because at the heart of that personal failure is sin, and we are all sinners, and most of us will admit that without turning that admission into a point of pride, we're all, we're all sinners, and it's not something we should take pride in. So I'm calling on you to be more traditional, not only on Sundays, but in your daily life. Find some way to disconnect from the world a bit and do it. Learn the faith. Learn how we used to live. Focus more on the church and live the faith as Catholics. Be rigid, not only in the eyes of Francis and whoever his likely successor will be, but in the eyes of the world. Be salt and light in the world as our Lord commands. Do not be lukewarm, but burn with a zeal that will cause people to wonder what it is that you have that they don't, and will cause the world to turn on you. 
The love of the world is something we cannot have, and being traditional Catholics only on Sundays isn't having that zeal at all. I need to work on this too, so don't go thinking that I think I'm super holy in all of this. I have a lot of work to do as well. Let me know in the comments how you'll break with from the world just a little bit. It's a journey, as I said, and we need to begin by taking a step. The world is in a strange place and growing darker by the day, so now is the time to take steps to preserve your faith as more tribulations are sure to come. So let me know what you'll do, and also like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.